0: good morning turn with me in your bibles to psalm 119 as we continue our journey there as we continue to learn how to delight in the word of god through this psalmist uh, the longest chapter in the scriptures we'll be uh, begin with verse 49 i want to make you aware of something this morning there was some miscommunication uh, with us and our maintenance guy and the baptistry's been filled and we have no one on dock to, to be baptized. I'm just saying. Like what did, the, what did the Ethiopian say to Philip? Here is some water. What prevents me from being baptized? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Think about it. If, uh, if you've made that profession of faith and you know it, and what prevents you this morning? Not lack of water. This morning we want to look at delighting in God's Word as our comfort, as our comfort. Verse 49, remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me. But I do not turn away from Your law. When I think of Your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake Your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember Your name in the night, O Lord. And keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. Where do you turn when life gets hard? Where do you turn? Where do you turn when when God is just taking far too long to come to your rescue and you just feel like you're waiting? Where do you turn when that person that's against God's law and doesn't love God attacks and derides you and calls you horrible, maybe even for keeping God's law? Where do you turn for comfort in in the night when something is weighing heavy on your soul and you cannot get to sleep? Where do you turn in those moments? Do you binge watch something on Netflix to keep your mind off of it? Do you turn to, to Facebook and browse it and see, man, everybody else's life's going... Great, mind stinks. You post a picture on Instagram hoping to get some likes to make yourself feel better. Do you, do you go buy something hoping just buying something will make you feel better? Do you turn to some kind of substance that you abuse and you use it to, to deaden your soul to the pain? Where do you turn when you need comfort? The psalmist of Psalm 119, in his moments of agony, turned to the Word of God. And what he found there was comfort for his soul. We should delight in God's Word this morning because it brings great comfort while we wait, while we face attack, and while we experience various trials so first let's look at, at at how we get comfort from god's word how it how it helps us to wait in hope it says in in psalm 49 119 49 it says remember your word to your servant remember why, why would the psalmist ask god to remember i mean in our general knowledge of god right we we feel like he has a a pretty good memory. We feel like he's omniscient, right? He knows everything there is to know. How can he possibly forget anything, especially his own word? So why is the psalmist asking God to remember his word as if God is some senile old man? What we must understand is that in Scripture, for God to remember something is actually for Him to begin to move into action according to His promises. Genesis 30, verse 22, it says this, Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. Exodus 2.24 is a great example of this. It says this, and God heard their groaning and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. This is that, that moment when, when God it says God remembered His people that they're in Egypt and though He had promised all these amazing things for them, they're in bondage. They're in slavery. They're having a very difficult time it's not as if God went oh yeah them my covenant people I forgot I was up here doing stuff I forgot about them no that's not what it means it means this is when I'm going into action according to those promises this is when he He raises up Moses to lead them out of Egypt Don't be afraid to call God to action in the keeping of his promises. If we were to take prayer instruction from uh, the great saints of Scripture, how often do we see them say, God, you said this? Now, what are you going to do about it? God, you you promised me this. Now, is that that gonna happen? Because I'm scared that's not gonna happen. Are you gonna are you gonna act on, are you gonna. You've got to fulfill your promises. We should be cautious in bringing requests to God that have no basis in His Word, but God loves to be petitioned according to His Word. God, You said You would never leave me nor forsake me, so be with me. God, You said You would always provide a way out in times of temptation. And I'm being tempted, so God, will You please be faithful and, and it, to Your promise to me and, and show me where's the way out because I'm having trouble seeing it. Father, you, you said You would give me a peace that passes understanding and I'm hurting and I need that peace right now. God loves to be called into action according to His promises. So that's what what the psalmist is doing here. It says, remember me. In other words, take action for me. I'm having a difficult time. Fulfill your promises to me. We also find comfort that God makes us wait, not only wait, but wait in hope. Verse 49, the second part there, it says, uh, well it's in, in verse 49, it says, Remember your hope to your servant in which you have made me hope. Notice the, the psalmist's understanding here is that, that God, God's not immediately acting to fulfill his promises. God has made him hope. Hope is, is what we do when we're faithfully, you know, between a rock and a hard place trying to figure out, okay, I'm waiting. Like it's my situation is not great, but I'm hoping for something better. I'm hoping for deliverance. God has made him wait in hopeful anticipation of His action according to His promises. And notice who He who He says is making him wait. It's it's not his enemies. It's not some kind of fate but God Himself has made him hope. God has created this space between the psalmist receiving the promises of of God and those promises being fulfilled. God did not instantly raise up Moses. He allowed His people for generations to, to grow in number, but grow under the yoke of slavery. He created that space to create that anticipation, to create that hope in them that God would come and fulfill His promises. We exist in a similar space today that God has created. Romans eight nineteen says this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility not willingly, willingly but because of Him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Folks, some of you right now, you're, you're waiting. You're waiting with bated breath for, for God to show up. You're having to wait. You're having to wait for Him to fulfill His promise. You wait for Him to remember to act on your behalf and you you cling to hope with white knuckles. Just I'm I'm hoping, God, that you really are going to be who you've said you are in this situation. Folks, this is is not chaos. It's not something out of God's control. But it is a space that God has created for you. He has made it this space so that you continue to you continue to grow in it so that He can build and strengthen your faith in Him, the Keeper of His promises. God wants to give you life even in, dare I say, especially in your affliction. verse 50 says. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. so the psalmist is, is, he's hurting. Absolutely he's hurting. And he would rather not be in the, probably the situation that he's in. And yet he remembers that, that God is making him do it. God has is, is put him in this place to grow him in his hope and his confidence of God. Second, comfort from God's Word helps us to remain faithful when the wicked attack. And we, we looked at this a few weeks ago, that, that the psalmist was not some academic, not some person who was in an ivory tower and just writing words to God, but he was someone who was living life and, and hurting. And the other people were causing him pain. And this is what it says in verse 51 through 53, "The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law." When I think of Your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake Your law. We see that in the, in the midst of lawless ridiculers, he stays the course. It's not fun to be different. And it seems as the wheels of time turn, as we seek to remain obedient to the Word of God, society seems dead set on running as far away from God's Word as it possibly can. And it, run, it runs from objective truth, much less God's objective truth. Society thinks that, that we are holding things up by loving God and loving this book that God has given us. And, and folks, the reality is, is that the true church of God hasn't moved an inch in, it's, in the beliefs that holds dear. Yeah, there's, there's been things that look a little different. There's been ways that we do things that are different. But when you boil down the beliefs of the church, the way we, we believe in the gospel that's handed down from the apostles and, and our views on things about the family and, and just things in life in general about just treating each other with love and, and leaving people alone and, and, and loving them and not taking their stuff. The Ten Commandments, things like that. In thousands of years, we've changed very little, but suddenly we're crazy, Right? Folks, we don't need to fear ridicule from the world because there's no way to avoid it. All you have to do is believe what Christians have believed for thousands of years and the world will hate us for it. And it's it's becoming increasingly so by the day. And yet, The the psalmist, the derided psalmist here, says, I will not turn away from God's law. Folks, make no mistake, it's, it's going to take an increasing amount of courage to stand for God's world in a world that's speeding away from it. I'd like to quote the great theologian, Steve Rogers. Otherwise known as Captain America, who, in a comic book of all places, has a really good quote. Listen to this quote by Captain America. I'll get some, some of y'all 's attention, right? This is what he said years ago in a comic book he said it doesn 't matter what the press says doesn 't matter what the politicians or the Mobs say it doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation, I would probably tweak this to say, this church this is the only change I'd make in this. This church was founded on one principle above all else. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the world, no, you move. Christian, do not be afraid to plant your feet in the rivers of the truth of God's Word when the world tells you to move. Say, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. It's not that I want to be terrible to you. It's not that I want to be mean to the world and unaccepting. It's just because I love my God and this is the Word He's given and I'm going to stand and I'm not going to move. We also see that in the midst of the lawless ridiculers, he remembers God's faithfulness to him. He says, when I think of your rules from of old I take comfort, O Lord. If I were to say something that I think that, that the Old Testament believers just seem to get really, do really well that I think we could use a little more of, it's is just simply remembering. It's just being good at remembering what God has done. You look at, they would do these river crossings, and they, what, what would they do? They would build a, 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 a pile of stones. Hey, we're going to remember this moment where God got us across this river. So much of the, the feast and the festivals in Jewish tradition in the Old Testament was about what? It was about remembering something that God had done in their past. And yeah, sometimes I fear just we are always so full steam ahead, right? We don't stop to think about, you know, we want to move on to the next prayer request without really stopping to think, God just answered a prayer that I prayed last week. What, what an amazing, faithful God to answer my prayer. No, so many times we're just full steam ahead without just stopping and meditating on the goodness of God in our past. But the psalmist says, when I think of your rules from of old, I I take comfort, O Lord. If you want to be encouraged and take courage in the world, then meditate on how God has proven his word faithful to us time and time and time again. We also see that in the midst of lawless ridiculers, he he boils with righteous anger. He's mad. He's mad at what these people are doing. Verse 53, hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake you, your law. Let me ask you this morning, do you get angry when you see people forsaking God's law? I'm not saying do you get mad when people do mean things to you like that's easy right like hey you're breaking God's law and you're hurting me that's easy but 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 the psalmist here he's angry because of man they're not loving God they're not acknowledging God they're not giving God glory with their life and that's what's making him mad not because they're being mean to him We should be grieved at every action done in rebellion to the Holy God. So does that mean in anger we rise up and we want to mistreat those in rebellion to God? Should we join Westboro Baptist Church and grab some picket signs and picket funerals and tell people you know, how much God hates them? No so what should our response be when we boil with indignation you know paul had a similar feeling as the psalmist when he gazed upon athens a city full of idols says in verse in acts 17 16 he says his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols so how did that let's look at how did he respond when he felt that anger that these people were not worshiping the true God did he start tearing down their idols did he run through just knocking their idols over did he go and pick at their heathen places of worship oh he preached the gospel to them says in verse 17, So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. When we see evil, may it, like Paul, repulse us because of our love and our devotion to the Holy God, but may it send us into urgent gospel proclamation because of our love for those people. Paul loved these people. He, yeah, they hurt him. He was like, I can't believe they're worshiping all these gods and forsaking the true God. It, it hurt him. He hated it. And yet he loves them enough to go in and reason with them with the gospel. And so should that be our response. And thirdly, comfort from God's word brings us joy in our trials. The psalmist saw God's Word as a song that reminded him of a better country. It says this in verse 54, Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. We see here the reality that The believer is not at home, folks. Not yet. On the contrary, we are on a journey, even in our homes. And I love my home. I want to take care of my home. It's a place of of memories and great joy. It's a place that protects my family. I love my house. But I need to be careful in realizing that that house it's just a stop before some, for something greater. It's, a, it's a, a dwelling place, a temporary dwelling place on a journey to something much greater. And that is life with God. Eternal life with God. God has given us a song to remind us of our home. It says the statutes have been His song. I love music, I love it. I'm awful at it, can't sing, worth a flip. I've taken lessons to try to play instruments, never worked out. And I don't know, it's not one of those kids that would, like I really tried, really hard, couldn't do it. But I love music. Music in my own life is extremely powerful. If you come by my office on any given day, you're probably going to hear some music coming out of my office. As I study, as I go throughout my day. There's something about music; it can it can send you back in time. It can it can even send you forward in time, or it just helps us understand the present. It can encourage your soul. It can discour- discourage your soul. The right kind of song can cast your eyes to God even and fill you with the hope of Christ. It's a godly and powerful song in that way. The psalmist saw saw God's word as songs that reminded him of where he was from and where he was going. That though he was a pilgrim, he has a home, he has an ultimate home. Do the words of God do they make you sing? Do they remind you? Or are they a song that reminds you that this is not your permanent home, that you're from and going to a, a far country that is wonderful and amazing and it is a place without sin and a pa- place without misery and ultimately, most importantly, a place with God. It says here that also that in the night, the psalmist remembers God's name. It says in verse 55, I remember Your name in the night, O Lord, and keep Your law. Isn't that that beautiful? I remember Your name in the night. The tossing and turning of a sleepless night is a miserable thing, isn't it? You keep checking the clock, doing the math, okay, I'm down, I can get four hours now, and then an hour later, okay, I can get three hours now. And you're just miserable thinking about how awful your day at work or your day at school, or your day at home is going to be. Sometimes it's a cup of coffee that you had too late, sometimes it's an onslaught of worries, of financial crisis a wayward child that you're worried about we've all been there right surely staring at the ceiling the psalmist knew sleepless nights and then the night he remembers the name of god he remembers there's a god who numbers his tossings a God that keeps every tear that he soaks his pillow with in a bottle that he cares, a God that cares and loves for him, loves him. You see, the, what the psalmist knows and understands about God's word is it didn't just float, float down out of nowhere. It isn't like it's some magical spell, all right that recite these words and they bring comfort, no. The words are incredible and amazing and comforting because of the great and amazing God who hands them down that you know His name. You know His name and He knows your name. There is a personal relationship. Hopefully. This is what He knows is that there's comfort because He knows the name of God and God knows Him that it's a relationship because God is He belongs to God and you if you're here and you don't belong to God you can belong to God. You can have that comfort that comes through knowing God's name, not just as 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 just a foreign God, but 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 as your Father, as your as the true God and you know his name and he knows you. Have you entered into that personal relationship with Him? God sent His Son to live the life that you couldn't live, to die the death that you deserve so that you could have righteousness in that personal relationship so that you, you could call out to a God who you know and who knows you. We also see that the psalmist sees the law as a blessed privilege. He says, he closes out, the blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. Let me ask you an honest question. Do you truly see that keeping the precepts of God as a blessing, as your Beautiful and wonderful privilege as his child. Do you really? So often we, well, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. Christians ain't supposed to do that. Or I, I gotta go, I gotta go to church today. I can't. I can't do the duck hunt. I can't fish. I can't do that. I gotta go to church. So often we act as if, It's our burden. But the psalmist is saying it's the blessing to keep God's precept. And we need to to flip the script and realize that it is a a beautiful thing the way God has ordered things that that He has warned us about things that will destroy us and that will hurt our lives, that will hurt our relationships. And, And He's told us Hey, avoid those things. And there's other things that he knows as the God of the universe is, is, that loves us, that there are other things that, hey, if they do that, if you do that, you're going to find joy both in this life and in the one to come. So, man, do those things. And that is our privilege. It should be our joy and our privilege. This morning, or this morning I want to ask you well, Where will you go this week? Where will you go this week for comfort? As you continue to wait on the Lord to fulfill all His promises to you? As you go back maybe to work to face some kind of attack that's being mounted against you? Where will you turn this week when... You're staring at the ceiling in the bedroom because you just can't go to sleep. Where would you where will you turn? I would tell you we should delight in God's word because it brings great comfort while we wait, while we face attack and while we experience trials and sleepless nights. I'm gonna ask you to please stand as our musicians come. I would ask that you would seek your comfort in the Word of God that's been given to us by a loving Father that cares for us and wants to bless us with His Word. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, life is hard. God, you told us life would be hard. And God, we so often turn to so many things to comfort us in the in the night, in the struggle, in the attacks. God, help us to be a faithful people that, that turn to You, that seek You through Your Word, that seek You in prayer to draw close to You when we need that comfort. God, move in us this morning. Help us to respond to Your Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.